This is Farah, and you're listening to Beef for Bacchus, the podcast about wine stories from the Levant, Eastern Mediterranean, and the Caucasus. Welcome to the first bonus episode. It's Alex Roll once again talking to us about Abu Nawas, but with reference to whether or not he ever wrote about Lebanon. And let me just say, before we begin, if you haven't listened to episode 10, please go back and listen to it first so that you know who Alex is and who Abu Nawas is because that's going to be a really long story to have to tell you right now. This was too long to include in the full episode, but too good to not share. So let's talk a little more about Abu Nawas. I prepared an answer in case you were going to ask me, did he ever write about Lebanon? Um, I, I didn't think that he did. <laughs> well, so. the answer is that he basically didn't. And like you say, it's because he was based in Baghdad, which was, of course, further east than, than Lebanon and was eastward looking, I would say, in the sense that it sort of faced Persia. Okay. Persia was a big part of the, not just the population of the empire, but the sort of cultural fabric of it. But that was the Abbasid Empire, but prior to the Abbasid Empire was the Umayyad, who were based in Damascus. Uh, that was the first Islamic empire, like the first caliphate. And so they were much more focused on, on what was then called Bilad al-Sham, or you know, the, the Levant, including Lebanon. We have, of course, the ruins in Anjar, are fantastic UNESCO heritage listed Umayyad ruins and so the Umayyad poets and including the caliphs even a famous case is the caliph Al-Walid ibn Yazid who was both a caliph and a major drinker and a wine poet um, what a CV <laughs> he, yeah what a, what a man <laughs> he and he was a direct influence on Abu Nuwas I mean Abu Nuwas even quotes him by name in, in sort of tribute so Lebanon is more prevalent in, in the Umayyad case, but there, there is one or two mentions in Abu Nuwas. He talks about wine having a fragrance of Lebanese apples, specifically Lebanese apples. Um, so they must have been very famous at the time for, for their apples. But more than that, he has, he has a poem which I think I call it in the book, a, a will. And it's written like a will to his friends. It says, you know, if I die, bury me close to a vineyard, obviously. Um, that's if I'm in Iraq, but if I happen to die on what he calls Syrian land, it's very funny, he says, don't, don't leave me far from Al-Furzul, which, as you know, is, is a small town nowadays in the Bekaa Valley, not really known for wine, as far as I'm aware today. I mean, Zahli next door is, of course, known. We have Ksara, the oldest modern Lebanese winery, um, and Bukha in general, of course, is, is, yeah. is the wine region. But um, it's funny that Furzul must have been a place of, of renown back then. And I even looked it up in a medieval encyclopedia of, it's, it's called Mu'ajam al-Buldan, famous sort of collection of all the known towns, really, and describing where they were. Just to make sure, is this, can this really be the same Furzul that I know? Yeah. Uh, and it turns out, yes. I mean, this is a 13th century book, and it says al-Furzul is... Um, near Baalbek in the Bihar and you know blah 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 at the feet of Mount Lebanon very clearly describes the same did they grow apples or grapes well it's it's clearly in the context I, I can read you that I think I brought it with me and I should also have mentioned I mean talking about wine poetry in general when we were when we were talking about Baalbek the oldest great poems, if you like, in Arabic literature are what's called the Mu'allaqat, the, which translates as the suspended odes, because of a legend that they were suspended on the, the Kaaba in pre-Islamic Mecca. Probably not true, but that's how they got their name anyway. And one of the seven is by a poet called uh, Amr ibn Kulthum, 
who actually said to have died from a drinking binge. <laughs> and he begins his, his ode, his great qasida, his mu'allaqa, with a, a wine scene, if you like. I mean, al almost all of them contained wine somewhere or the other. He, he begins with it. And he refers to Baalbek. Uh, specifically, he says, وَكَأْسٍ قَدْ شَرِبْتُ بِبَعْلَبَكٍ وَأُخْرَ فِي دِمَشْقَ وَقَاسِرِينَ Many a glass I drank in Baalbek, many more in Damascus and Qasirin, which was a, a town that I don't think exists anymore. So parts of what is now modern Lebanon have always been present in Arabic wine poetry, even prior to Islam. Just something I thought I should plug in since, yeah, since we're in Lebanon. and since cool. this is a, I think I've saved the page. Where do you find these books? <laughs> That's a good question. This... Um, <laughs> There's an institute in Beirut, in Zu'al Blat, called the Orient Institute. Mm -hmm. It's German. And it happens that I mentioned earlier the, the scholar of Wagner who did the great compilation. Well, this is book three of five. Okay. So they're one of the few places that I know of <coughs> in the world, actually, who, who sell this. But no, I, I, I tried to look into this once. I don't believe there is a winery at all in Fuzul. They, they make Ara, probably. Mm. They make good Ara, in fact. But, um, so I asked around a bit, I asked a hiking tour guide, I asked some wine people, and it seems that Firzul does have some kind of connection to the ancient wine world. There are some ruins there, and there are still some local families there growing grapes and making wine for themselves and for their friends. Maybe Firzul has more to it that I need to look into. And I will do that, and I will share what I find. You know, I was reading some wine books recently and came across a kind of a dispute a modern contemporary one about wine language. How, what's the language that we use to describe wines? I mean, mm -hmm. And you would of course know this far better than I do. But generally speaking, the, the sort of modern vocabulary or terminology revolves around comparisons with fruits and, and well, in, even yeah. more generally, it's, it's about flavor and fragrance. You, know, you, you sniff the wine, you say, I'm getting cherries or leather or whatever it might be, and you compare it to spices and berries, things like that. We take this for granted now. But it seems that until the late 1970s, that wasn't the case at all. Uh, if you read wine criticism prior to then, it was much more about sort of metaphors, almost human or anthropomorphic metaphors. So this wine has good breeding. This is a noble <laughs> wine. This is a proud wine, or this is a shy little wine. Or this wine needs time to think more. Um, or they would, they would sexualize it or make it gender related. So, oh, this is a feminine wine, or this is a, this is a strong masculine wine, things like that. The idea of talking about Aromas or... Yeah, it would have been nonsense. And there, there's even a book, literally, uh, written around that time in the early 80s by a famous English wine critic, Oberon Woe, where he says, I've just read this American talking about a Pinot Noir that smells of cherries. If I ever got a wine that tasted of cherries, I would send it back and demand an explanation. <laughs> um, so there you're seeing live how that... So, so one of the books I was reading, this guy was, again, sort of mocking all this and saying, oh, yeah, it's, 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 it's all crap. It's all airport novel language. No wine smells of cherry or anything like that. And this is just a modern fad for consumerism. And I was thinking, okay, maybe that's a theory. But then it suddenly clicked. Hold on, Abu Nuwas always talks about the fragrance of wine. Um, always compares it to apples or to perfumes like musk and things like that. Um, different flowers. Basil, funnily enough, is what, something that comes up a lot. Sweet basil. And so I started just sort of researching further into that. And even the Quran, when it's referring to the wine in paradise, it says, again, it mentions musk, which has actually become 
a phrase that's kind of entered the a modern idiom. And and likewise for even the pre-Islamic poetry. Again, the the muallaqat, the most famous of them by Imr al-Qais, mentions a peppery wine, sulaf mufalfal. So. Well, all I'm saying is that the idea that this is something new that was invented in the 1970s may be true of the West, but it has a far more ancient tradition here in, uh, in the Arabic-speaking world, which I thought was just Why do you think it changed? Probably was I mean, a there commercial was just, thing? Or? I mean, there was just a disconnection, of course. I mean, all, how many wine critics in the West in the early 20th century were reading the Quran or... No, but like, why did it go from something so, I guess, poetic? Oh, you mean in, in the 70s, you mean? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, that's easier. There, there was a book that was written by some um, academics in California, Wines and Their Sensory Evaluation, something like that, which argued that, you know, this language of feminine and masculine is, is nonsense and we should come up with more objective terms. And it was the very influential critic Robert Parker who took this up and then made the, spread this globally, I think. Okay. He's become a real connoisseur of this language, you know. In, uh, melted asphalt, I think, is one of his terms. Uh, <laughs> crushed seashells. He claims to have got crushed seashells okay. in some of his words. So yeah, clearly, I mean, this is why they like to market because clearly it can be taken too far. Um, I still think it's it's a useful way of, you know. But I'm convinced I get cherries sometimes in a wine or, or leather or things like that. I don't think it should be very like one or the other because the. The more poetic descriptors are also kind of more interesting too, because of how it makes you feel, yeah. maybe, or what's happening when you have it. Um, but yeah, they're maybe not as accurate for someone who's having it later on or at a different mm -hmm. um, point in time. You said wine in paradise. Mm -hmm. So well, wine is technically haram or forbidden, but there's wine in paradise. Absolutely, yes. And this is <laughs> Abu Nuwash has a poem to that effect where it's it's just a, a quick two-liner. Making that exact point, you know, what the hell, guys? <laughs> um, no, yeah. That's it for Alex. I'm going to be releasing the long form episodes every other Thursday from now on, so stay tuned for the next one on February 27th. And as I mentioned before, along with the long form episodes, I'm going to start releasing shorter ones in between called Just a Drop, and those will be a max of 10 minutes. The first one will be in March. Thanks for listening, and if you have anything you want to share or some suggestions or some feedback or some people I should talk to, shoot me an email at info at beforebacchus.com. That's info at beforebacchus.com. This is Farah signing off for the Before Backus podcast. Bye.